right. I am here with Jonathan Harris, a.k.a. Dr. Disco Lights, a.k.a. maybe the best dancer in the great state of Alaska. I don't know who that person is. Oh, uh, so modest. Deniability. <laughs> and I am here with him. We are in person. The first ever in-person music friends. Very exciting. Honored. Honored. He's shackled in the music friends embrace. We're latching onto him. What's going on, dude? I'm good, man. I'm good. That was that was a solid opening there. <laughs> so yeah, first ever in person music friends. We're talking about some dance music today. We've got a couple of uh, British artists, probably falling somewhere in the house uh, dance pop realm. We'll definitely dig into that. Um, the album you chose. <clears throat> is Settle. Uh, it is the first album of four full-length albums by Disclosure. The album was produced by uh, the two Disclosure lads and was released June 3rd, 2013. So we've got, uh, you guys know the game. We've got some questions we're going to roll through here. Uh, we're going to talk about their other albums. We're going to talk about how this fits into, you know, the environment that it came in and, and all these bigger questions. But where I want to start is much more grounded place. And you obviously chose this album because it means a lot to you. And I just want you to, to kind of paint that picture for me. Like, how did it come into your life? Um, how were you listening to it? Were you sharing it with other people? Was it digital? Was it a CD? Was it in your car? Um, how did this album live with you? And, and maybe uh, what, what led it to uh, be one that you'd want to pick for this? Those are great questions. Um... I think this was digital, but iTunes. I'm pretty sure I bought this one. This was when I was still in my music hoarding uh, phase before I gave up to the evil that is Spotify. Yeah. Um, long live the king. Yeah. Um, so uh, acquired. Um, and it was the reason I chose this album was it was just, uh, I thought it was special just because these guys um, you know, when you look at their influences, it was just a lot of the same people. And it was, you know, just it, these are pretty diverse influences, but a lot of the same people that, you know, I grew up listening to. And that was crazy to me because they're across the pond and, you know, in a totally different space. And so I just loved what they were bringing forward. Um, nice. It wasn't my first dance album. You know, I'd been listening at this point to house music for a little while. You know, I think I got back into that in 2008, 2009. Um, but I just thought that, you know, at the time that they released this album, what they were doing was very revolutionary. Um, and that's probably the main reason I, I chose it. Nice. Know. And you were just digging it, like the, the sound and like, and it was just fitting into killing your life. It, killing it. What, were you, what, what was going on with John Harris in, in 20, 2013? 2013. Oh, God. That's, what's that? Third year med school? Okay. Rough times, man. Rough <laughs> so times. Yeah. No, this was of, a friend. This was a friend for this you. This was a friend for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, um, long nights, lots of studying. So it was nice to hear some dance music um, at a time where I wasn't hearing that much of it, you know, in my life. You know, I was, I think it was in Augusta, Georgia at that time, not the hottest dancing. <laughs> um, so just hearing what they were doing was just like, it just felt really future. Nice, dude. Um, the, the first question kind of plays along those same lines, and that's just how this album makes you feel. Um, are there any specific things that uh, come up for you when you're listening to it? Um, now, then, anywhere in between? Anything specific? 
not per se so much as I felt like I really moved with the chords. You know, the, the chords really hit for me. Mm. Um, I think the bridges are, are just really, really replayable. I, I still think I can go back to this album and, you know, five out of, you know, 15, I'm, I'm into it, you know, um, and, and a lot of replay value. I think the radio killed Latch for me, which was yeah. a big loss, you know, but <laughs> it deserved all the plays that it got. Um, but the rest of the album is still fire, still fire. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, turning it back to myself, I, I would say that this album makes me feel like I'm a bit in a, a foreign country. Uh, I know like how to order food and like, uh, you know, I speak a little bit of the language, but I don't maybe know why the food items are on the menu. And like, I don't know the, the cultural meaning of it. And that's really just dance music. Like I'm, I'm kind of a newbie to dance. So unpacking all the, uh, constituent parts of this album was like, uh, challenging and, and interesting and fun. And you mentioned something there and that's house music. And, um, I, I'm, I'm pleased that you see this as house music. I think most people would see it as some variation of house music. Some variation, absolutely. There's all these different variations of it. And um, I've got this cool anecdote. I've been wanting to tell this story for a long time. And it's just one of those funny things, like like with memory, where I, I, I attached onto this thing and for no reason, like I just kept it in my head, um, but it came up here. And that, all that is is uh, about 10 years ago, a little more than that. Um, I was I was dating this girl who was really into music, and um, she uh, would always play this song by the the rapper Charlie Tuna. Do you remember him? Charlie Tuna. Charlie Tuna. So, do you remember the rap group Jurassic Five? Yes. The really deep baritone voice in that Jurassic Five uh, uh, group is this guy. Okay. And he's he's fine. He's got like some songs. He's, he's got like one album. He's whatever. Fine. Got it. But he's got this song called Coming Through. It's on his album, Fish Out of Water. And there's this line that always stuck with me. And like for no other reason, I was living in Chicago at the time, so it made a little bit of sense there. But the line is, I'm from the city where they buried Al Capone and house music was born. And so in my head, I was like, house music is cool. Like I, I really didn't know like anything about house music, but I liked this song. And like at the time, I liked this girl. So I was just like, house Absolutely. music is cool. Yeah. At, at some point, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into this. So... I, I did like some research on house music and, and um, what most people kind of view it as. I, I found this description I thought was like pretty cool, and that's just house music is an up-tempo style of disco characterized by deep bass, bass rhythms, uh, piano or synthesizer melodies with soul-oriented vocals, uh, sometimes with elements of hip-hop. So how, how, would, how do you think that stacks up? Is that I about think, right? I think that's fair. I mean, I, I think it's, it's music born out of dance, born out of the clubs. Definitely, you know, this was Chicago, right? That they said where house music was born. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean Detroit, Chicago, I you know, I, I don't I don't want to say I know enough about the origins to say, but I mean both huge seminal like, you know, birthplaces of what became, you know, the music and really cool history there for sure. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So so before, and we, we get into some of the variations here, but before drum and bass, deep house, garage, future garage, UK garage, acid house, tech house, break house, chill step, glitch step, break step, <laughs> uh, DJs like Frankie Knuckles, Ron Hardy, mm-hmm. and Jesse Saunders merge old disco records uh, with mechanized beats, uh, generally on rolling drum machines, um, combining that with a booming underground, oftentimes gay and queer uh, club scenes of New York and then Chicago. 
um, to create a majorly influential style of music. And, and honestly, with an ocean of kind of music tributaries, this is where it started to fuck me up because what you, so if you listen to something, you could, you can maybe categorize it as house music, but if you really start thinking about the, the, um, just like conceptually and just like schematically, uh, what house is with using samples, how much music do we listen to that is like sample driven, has mechanized beats and like you start thinking about hip hop and like all this other stuff. And it's like, like what isn't house music? Like in some ways, like absolutely, it, it, it goes know, everywhere. I, I think it's, it's a wide ranging genre in the same way that, you know, rock in it is this like wide ranging genre. And then when you, when it comes to trying to figure out how to categorize and figure out exactly what it is, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, people will play to certain rules, but there's so much genre bending, so much genre mashing that it is really hard to kind of typify and figure out what exactly is, you know, electronic music, what is, you know, our EDM, as some people call, you know, some parts of it, you know, it's, it's really hard to kind of figure out exactly what it is, but I agree. It's, and then the influences are, yeah, I agree. Just as, just as disparate, you know, there's, there's the chorus, the keys, there's the jazz, you know, there's the gospel that, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those progressions that all are are throughout so many different other types of music, you know, it, it, it becomes very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You get kind of galaxy brain if you yeah. think about it too much. No, absolutely. And it's like, it's human nature to categorize things and we put things into boxes and like, it's just easier that way. And, um, we definitely do that with rock. I mean, I, I mean, certainly with EDM, there's all these different kind of, uh, uh, breakouts, but yeah, um, we can move into the next question here. Uh, and this is a, an interesting one for this record as it's the EDM, but, um, the most interesting instrument on this album. What was your answer for that one? I think the way they use their synth and, and the chords is, is what kind yeah. of grabs me on this. And that's it's mostly what grabs me on most of house music, you know, coming from like that, that musical background with like loving jazz, loving gospel. Like it's the, the chord progressions and the minor tones is, is what really... I, I love what they do there. Um, I'm with that. Yeah. I remember you mentioned Luther Vandross on the um, teaser. I did. And I've, I've had Luther Vandross in my head, and I listened to a little bit um, leading up to this, and you can hear it uh, at certain places. And when I was listening to Latch, which, you know, like, <laughs> I, it came up on the first time I listened to it, I was like, oh, I've heard this song a trillion times. A trillion like, <laughs> times. Absolutely. And it almost, in my head, I was like, wait who is this? Like, it was just, it was, it came from like somewhere else. I, I couldn't really place it, but yeah, it, it's an interesting one to kind of nail down an instrument with this. Obviously the whole album's made on Apple Logic's Pro X. Um, there's some really cool YouTube videos of them going through like some of the songs and breaking it all the way down. And if you're like a really big Logic nerd, like yeah. you, you, you get some stuff out of that. But No, they're, they're music nerds. And oh, and Latch, I think was Sam Smith's breakout hit. Um, and you know, now he's everywhere, but I think that was also a pretty big deal was that was the first time he had a chance to kind of really be introduced, um, to the masses, you know, and being a non-binary kind of artist, that was, that that was hard to break out at, you know, 2013. So that was pretty brave of them to put him on there. But, you know, I mean, the man's so talented. Yeah. As you're like drawing different like yarns and, and thumbtacks of like where music went and like Sam Smith's like such a big figure now. Yeah. It's like 
this was like the the origin story in a, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Apparently, he lived like down the street, and like the so on that YouTube video where they're I breaking down that. Latch. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned this. He said um, Latch launched uh, both artists. Uh, they met the day it was cut, and uh, Sam was working at a local bar at the time. Wow. Uh, so um, it's just funny how that stuff works. Just but, local talent, huh? Yeah, dude. So I mean, so. 16 songs on this album we, we, we drew the line at. 10 of them have vocal features. So vocals are like another kind of uh, instrument almost almost on this. Mm-hmm. Um, Disclosure is credited for production and mixing. And then there's nine vocal guests. Um, you know, Sam Smith, Jesse Ware is a, is a favorite of mine. Absolutely. Um, Mary J. Blige, Aliza Doolittle. Mary J. Mary yeah. J. really killed it on that song. Totally. Um, really, I think it transforms it. I, I think it's it's the heat that I don't, it didn't make it to the radio, but I, I really enjoy that song as well. Fool for you. Yep. Uh, one of my favorites. It's like a different version, right? Because there's like. There's the original. And, and then, then towards the end, they have the Mary J. one. Okay. Mary J. Yeah. Um, Stuart Hawks does the mastering at Metropolis Studio, so it's just like a really tight production list. There's not like all these artists they brought in to do instruments or whatever. This is just how, how digital music is made. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you knew this, dude, but they were 18 and 21 when they made this. I did not know. That. I didn't know they were that young, dude. Like wow. that that kind of sent my brain in some directions too, because it's like you can now make music on your computer. Everybody can. It's just, it's all available depending on what program you use, whatever program you use. Yeah, the gatekeepers are gone. Totally. And if you're 18 and 21 and you you can just like screw around on on Logic and like make music, that's kind of like inspirational. It is. It is. And it's almost like a paradigm shift a little bit because maybe that was happening a little bit before 2013, but not a lot earlier than 2013. Yeah. I mean... (laughs) One of the things I, I find myself talking a lot about now, you know, that I've given up to Spotify and, you know, all these like, you know, much easier resources is how much easier it is to like find new music, you know, yeah. find new artists and how much new music there is coming out all of the time. All the time. Like you said, like the, the, the gatekeepers are gone. Like I remember just, you know, the blogosphere phase, like really just having to search for it, getting a few viruses on your computer. Or friends, right? Or but, friends, yeah, absolutely. Or, or you know, just compiling, you know, CDs and CDs. Yes, <laughs> yes. Just trying to keep your music library together, burning mixes. Um, and it's just so much easier now to find just beautiful talented stuff and there's just so much coming out at the same time it's amazing it's, how would you describe to like a kid today that we had to like burn cds I, I, I don't think they can would it even that. like compute in it their brain it's like compute. wait you had to how long did it take and it, you had to buy the cds it would like, be like electricity for us you know <laughs> what i mean like what like yeah yeah no absolutely uh, so I, in my kind of uh, exploration of um, look, looking and thinking about all these different kinds of um, electric music, I started thinking about beats per minute. I don't know if you ever spend, spend any time thinking about that, mm. um, but I was looking around and I was trying to like parse out all these different kinds of EDM. And I found this article that was just perfect for this. Uh, so Travis Wolf wrote this article on Towards Data Science. And what he did was take 21,000 songs of seven different genres on Spotify. Um, he gathered them from 136 playlists from credible sources. So like verified record labels and official Spotify playlists. And then he converted the list into a CSV and removed songs longer than 60 minutes and songs with BPM below 50 to kind of 
uh, weigh it out there. But um, he, it came out like the median values for house music was 125 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, for techno, it was 129. Uh, trance 134, side trance 143. That just sounds stupid. I, wow. I, I hate myself for saying side trance. No, no, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, those are, that's, that's uh, not big out here. <laughs> uh, trap 129, and then the, the, the generally faster ones, drum and bass 163, hard mm-hmm. style 144. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to kind of check the work, I asked ChatGPT to, to do the same thing. House came out exactly the same. Techno, techno was about the same at 120 to 140. Um, but house, generally 120 to 130 is about where this is. And um, I think I have the songs uh, somewhere. I have the, oh yeah, I have the beats per minutes on the songs here. But if you look at a lot of them, the, dude, uh, a lot of them are in that range. Mm-hmm. So like When a Fire Starts, It Burns, 123. Lash is 121. FU, uh, 123. Uh, White Noise is 119. So like, tends to fall in that it's just another way to kind of look at um classifying classifying more categorizing um whether it matters or not um so we can get into the the favorite song on this i'm curious what you think there's a lot of different songs on here um so hit me what what, what was your favorite song Ooh, that's a tough one um i think the one that i find my still go still going to um is voices Nice. Yeah. Um, which I don't think was a lead on this song, on this album. Um, it, was, it was a collaboration with Sasha Keeble. Mm-hmm. Um, just think it's beautiful. Just think it's a really beautiful song. Um, it's pretty down tempo. I don't know if it even fits within, you know, that range that you were talking about. It's, it's not necessarily the most dancey of tracks. But I just thought sonically what they did on that was really beautiful. I'm glad you mentioned that one. Um, not on like my list of favorites, but an interesting one. So uh, I thought that the vocal really stood out in front of that song yes. more than the other songs. Like a lot of the other ones, it seemed like the production and the melodies and like the the beats and the bass and the drums or whatever mm-hmm. really stood out. Whereas this sounded like her song, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and and this one did come out at 125 beats per minute, which is like right in that range. But I think that's like a median. It, it dips down and comes back up. A little bit, and, yeah, yeah. No, um, and I, I that's that's funny that you meant. That is always an interesting part of the of the equation when you have non vocal artists in releasing music. You know, whether it yeah. be like Catronata or you know all of these other like you know electronic artists who the majority. I'd still say that a large part of their work is production of for other people um you know how they choose to do that on their on their own albums is always an interesting idea yeah um but yeah no i agree it it came out just the right balance on that one yeah it's interesting what you say and then bringing in vocal talent or in other cases bringing in a a bassist or whatever yeah uh you know it's like building a basketball team it's like I think Drew Holiday will fit on this team, so I, 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 I'm, like, cool. <laughs> I'm cool with <laughs> trading Robert Williams to try to um, make it a perfect fit. So, um, yeah. So White Noise is my favorite song. Uh, that's a good like, one. Like by far, I one of like every time through listening, I probably listen to this album six or seven times now, um, and it just it fits that algorithm of my favorite kind of dance song. Mm-hmm. It, it made it onto my my very exclusive dance playlist. Really? So. 
uh, very pleased about that. Interesting. I, I, so we, we definitely share this, this like love for dance music. I'm just newer to it. Like, uh, the, the truly like the freshest fruit, like the, the, what I get the most enjoyment out of is finding a song I can put on my dance playlist. Cause okay. like, I feel like I gotta see this playlist. I, I don't think I've ever, <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know you had a dance playlist. I'll hit you up. I'll okay. hit you up. Sure. Um, but it's, uh, I, I just have always thought, thought kind of thought that how, how, how free I am to dance is a good barometer of like how many fucks I give at any given time. Like if I can, if I can, if I'm free enough to dance, then like I'm, I'm in a, in a happy, space. loose space or whatever. And yeah. so now when I, when I can find music that literally makes me want to dance, like that's, that's like the forbidden fruit. Nice. Right? Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's Eldorado for all DJs out there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Getting people to that space. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, I, I, I had some other notes here. One of the main ones was, I, I wish I liked the Jesse Ware track more. Um, I really like her. I, mm-hmm. I've um, I've started listening to her music. Mm-hmm. They collaborated with her on her 2012 album, so that was a little bit before this one. Uh, there's a song on that album that they did with her, and she has an ASAP Rocky feature on that album, so she was starting to gain momentum there. But she's got 2012, 2014, 2017, 2020, and 23. Um, What's Your Pleasure in 2020, and That Feels Good in 23. I've listened to a lot, and that those are really good. I, I highly recommend. Yeah, that was definitely not one of my favorites on the album. I thought it was a little too uh, bland. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just very, very... You know, they they, they kind of just looped it, and yeah. it didn't feel like there was enough to it. Yeah, uh, there there are certain songs on that on this album that still feel like concept pieces a little bit, and so you, when you tell me that they're eighteen twenty one, that makes sense. That's interesting. Um, interesting that you say it like that. I, I as I was like, I would say I, I really like this album. Maybe fall short of love. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fair. There's uh, Fantano, the um, record drop guy, or what's it? What is the show he does on YouTube? Needle Drop. Needle, Needle Drop. Drop. Okay. Um, he said this thing. I, I never listened to his reviews, even though he's brilliant, but I listened to it for this one. And he said that um, uh, this is an insider electronica record. So, like, like you know, um, for the, like, really tapped in, like, electronica people. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, maybe, maybe that's, like, uh, why I'm not, like, all the way in on it. Mm-hmm. Um but that that was a good articulation. Um, yeah, uh, so white noise. We can move over to the kind of like the insights. Did you have anything down as far as uh, production insights or like behind the scenes type stuff for this? Didn't have anything down. I did want to highlight one other song that I thought was just just needs to be voiced. And I, I thought about this as my favorite too. Help me lose my blind. Yeah, with London Grammar. Yeah, uh, that one I think is is a huge, is a huge hit, and I think it's one that like big disclosure fans come to a lot. Like nice. I, I've seen them live, maybe is it two or, two or three times. Nice. Yeah. So once was um, essentially they just played the album. You know, it was just a live version of the album, which is still very impressive. They play most of their instruments. They're music nerds. They're really, they're really talented. They put together a great show. Uh, they're also very capable DJs. I saw them DJ once as well, Offset, and that was really cool. 
but anytime they play that song in particular, that one goes. Um, it's people like a know that one. It's bellwether a bellwether track, certainly like a bellwether track for like true disclosure fans. Um, so I definitely want to highlight that one as being just like a really strong out um, song on that album. Great insight. So you've seen them a couple times. Yeah. Um, when they played the full album, was that close to when this was released, or was that more recent? This was pretty close to their release. Um, nice. The I think this was almost like a release tour you know where they were they were really just going around kind of playing this album and it was still pretty hot you know lash was just hitting the airways um and it was it was a big deal you know it took yeah. lash a little while to kind of finally take and then when it did it was it was everywhere um it was like just before that point it, and so it was it was really cool um to see them live i i, I mean they're one of my favorite groups live too nice um they put they put on a good show yeah yeah very cool. I can imagine that be uh, very energetic, joyous. I, I feel like a lot of their music is is um, is that way. It's just yes. like light and and just like easy to to groove to and all that good stuff. Uh, I've got quick hits on on insights here. So uh, we talked a little bit about Latch. I think Latch is funny because I don't think I ever intentionally listened to it before this. I just heard it, you know, at like Urban Outfitters a million Absolutely. times or whatever, Absolutely. just in the background somewhere. It made its rounds. Yeah. Uh, so as I mentioned before, uh, Guy and Howard Lawrence um, uh, make up Disclosure. They're of Surrey, England, and they were 21 and 18 respectively uh, when they made this, which Crazy. is just pretty wild. Yeah. Um, when a fire starts to burn, the sample, the vocal there is Eric Thomas. Um, who is the hip hop preacher? You know this guy? I don't know this. He's guy. like I, I only glancing to know of him. It's, a few of my friends are really into him. He does like motivational speeches almost. Interesting. Yeah. So the the fire starts to burn um, is like a part of some speech of his apparently. Uh, Pitchfork gave this a nine point one, uh, which is a pretty good rating for them. And then uh, the writer Larry Fitzmorris uh, had this this snippet I thought was really good. Uh, disclosures. Unabashed pop sensibilities speak to the notion that music, as with a system of beliefs, can bring a diverse array of people, the dance nerds and the optimists, the club denizens and festival obsessives, the perpetual stylish and the utterly clueless together as one. Settles an album, album length articulation of this idea, and it's hard not to believe in that. So I, I do think it, it brought in, it can bring in like a, I think a wide range of people and, uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, now uh, we can move to the the best album, and I'm I'm curious what you think here. I probably know what you're gonna say, mm -hmm. but I did want to go through the albums. I've been looking forward to kind of talking about the other albums with you. So, yeah. is this the best album? What else? What other albums are you thinking about? Mm. For me, and I think we yeah, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, this was their best album. Um, but I think that's just because it was the album that resonated the most with me. You yeah. know, I, I think that their sound has, you know, just as most artists do, they explore. Um, and their sound has changed a lot since that initial Settle album. And I, you know, each subsequent album, I just kind of feel like I felt a little bit less. There's some great songs on some of those albums. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to going through them, and, and, and I'm interested to see what your your favorite album was. Um, but this that's that's why I chose this one, I think, for me. Um, but you know, I think that's debatable. Was this the one that you know um, 
I think it's probably the right answer. I think most people would, would probably say that. Um, so they do this in 2013. Yeah. They go on to do Carousel or Caracal. I, yeah. I don't know how that's pronounced I, yeah. in uh, 2015. So I, 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 I looked at this from, a, from afar, and I saw that there's a weekend feature. It's the first song. I'm like, let's mm-hmm. go. This is mm-hmm. going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. And that song sucks. Sucks. <laughs> sucks. Very forgettable. Um, so I, I was starting to look at how many of the different um, songs have features. So on that second album, The Carousel, uh, 10 out of the 14 songs have, still have features. So it's the same kind of dynamic. They're, they're bringing in vocal talent. With bigger the production, talents, though, for sure. Bigger talents, booking yeah. bigger people, yes. Yeah. Um, and they were they were hot off of, you know, just the fame from Latch. And uh, yeah, it it I think it really just... It fell flat for me. You know, there there's some great songs. I thought Willing and Able with Quabs was was good on that album. Was good to great. Holding on with Gregory Porter was 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 really kind of good to great, but nothing that like I'm going back to. Okay. Yeah. I, I would uh echo that sentiment I, I i think i saved five of the 14 songs on mm-hmm. here and that's mm-hmm. probably a little favorable um but now we can move to an album that i really liked and like i i find really interesting mm-hmm. from 2015 they go to 2020 this album energy um and on this one there are uh how many how many uh 12 of the 18 songs have features so we're still kind of talking the same dynamic but this album has uh, absolutely um, uh, the soul of this album is in the various African influences, uh, on top of some domestic uh, uh, features as well. So you've got Kellis, Channel Tress, uh, Kelani, Sid, Common, Khalid, all here. But then, as far as African artists, um, you know, I, I wrote them down. I, I did not know of I think any of these before, but uh, Fatima Diawara um, on Duha Mali Mali is a Malian. Uh, musician who's made an appearance on Tiny Desk. She gets uh, 1.3 million Spotify plays per month, so pretty good. Like a, wow. a fairly yeah. like decent artist. Um, Book Basie on Senapa. Senapa is a fucking sick song, by the way. Um, is a Cameroonian uh, singer-songwriter. He has 389,000 uh, listens, so smaller, but like still notable. Yeah. Um, Ico Roosevelt on Tondo is a Cameroonian disco and trumpeta artist. Uh, 532,000 listens. And then Etron, I'm just butchering all these names, by the way. So. Dude, these names are tough. <laughs> these names are really tough. Uh, Etron Finawata mm-hmm. on Etron is a Niger-based band uh, who play traditional Wadabi and Tuari music mm-hmm. with Western instruments like an electric guitar. They only have 31K listens, so um, a little less uh, known there. But I just, I just felt that there was just this energy... Uh, that was so on the nose, but there's this energy. There's this, nice. ener- <laughs> there's this energy nice. with this album that was uh, just really enjoyable and and like a little esoteric, like a little weird. A lot of uh, at least two or three songs are in French, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so it was just like a. I just felt like there was just more juice there, and so I, I came back and like was listening to it a little bit more. There's probably three or four songs on this album like I really, really, really like. Definitely so, feels global. You know, the album yeah. feels very global. Um, I think that was a little in vogue at this moment. This was right around when, um, <laughs> when Beyonce made Lion King the Gift and yes. had all those African artists uh-huh. and put them up. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, Drake did his, uh, on More Life, he had at least a handful of, of African artists as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the thing I thought was interesting about this is that out of the artists that they chose, they didn't go Afrobeat, you know. You know, while they're picking these traditional African artists, they're, they're, they're away from what I felt like, you know, especially and still, you know, um, what's the center of the room, which is, you know, that South Africa, like the Mapiano was, was starting around this time. A lot of the Afrobeat artists that, you know, Beyonce and Drake, et cetera, are working with, I don't see on this album. Mm. You know, they're going, opting for more traditional sounds, yes. updated in, a, in an electronic kind of form versus some sort of Afrobeat fusion kind of type pop, stuff. More poppy. Pop fusion. And, yeah, and, and so I felt like, you know, at this moment when Afrobeat was really going pop, which I think it is now, you know, I think it's, excuse me, it's dominating a lot of airwaves. Um, I thought it was interesting that they didn't choose to do that. But still really great, still really great, still really them, still really interesting, but different. Definitely a different sound to me. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I really like that one. I uh, I will go back to it. I saved, I think, I think I saved ten of eighteen songs on there. So wow, really good. Okay. All right, let's talk about Alchemy. Uh, twenty twenty three. This album that came oh. out this year. Uh, I only saved three of the eleven songs on here. Yeah. I saved my full opinion on it uh, until now, but I found this album to be boring. I'm not um, into it. There. So the vocal performances. This album has zero zero features of, of eleven. Them. All them. So all production. Yeah. It's more of like a sound collage than a dance album. There's one kind of song I like that was kind of weird, the Brown Eyes song, but it's it's like such a departure for them. But I, I did not like this album very much at all. It's hard to play. Yeah. It's hard to play. Like I think it's a hard listen. It's a hard group listen. And this is the first album I'd say that well, that was true of. I think it is an individual journey that maybe you can go through and and put it, but it's not it's not easy to listen to. I don't even know if I would say this is dance music. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, con it's conceptual electronic music. Yeah. Don't know about dance music. Agreed. Um, but, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to listen to it, of course. It's, you know, as, as a fan, sometimes you just got to go with the good, you know, you just, you're, you're along for the journey. And uh, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. But, you know, I think we landed in the same place here. I think Settle's their best their, their best album. I, I as a personal favorite, I might like Energy better, honestly. Okay. All right. Um, but cool. I but I would say that uh, Settle is probably like their greatest best album. If you're thinking about like most influential and like yeah. the album, the obviously people uh, that, that associate them with the most when they had the most like cultural Cloud. saturation. Yeah. And, yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I think we agree there. And then just on to like the last question, which is just kind of a custom question um, and kind of a, a broad question here, but what are some other staple kind of house albums for you? Um, maybe in the same vein, whether that be how they sound or how they, they touched you in this way, but um, just some other house-oriented music that, that really sticks with you, mm -hmm. has had lasting mm -hmm. impact. Um, so it's, it's funny you say album, you know, because that... That requires even a, li a little bit more thought, yeah. um, because I feel like you know house music, dance music is is one of the genres that I consume less by album than almost any other. Interesting. Um, you know, one thing that's been I've been getting a lot of plays from recently is um, you know Jungle. That album is so good. <sighs> Jungle. I mean, I think everything they're putting out is just 
ridiculous right now. And I don't even know if I call that traditional. I mean, I don't, what do you, would you, would you call that? I don't know what to call that. I have no idea what to call it. I mean, it's mostly electronic music, it's I would mostly, say, but there's, but there's like so much soul to it and like so, so much, much feel. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, it's hard to really classify that. Um, when you, when you look at, so I, I would I would need to think about that as far as just other albums along that time. Definitely anything from I mean some Kaytronada stuff probably. Kaytronada's albums that consumed in that same way. Nice. Um, would do, you, be, do you like Daft Punk? Love Daft Punk. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Big Daft Punk fan. Do you listen to them by album? Or like, do you have like a certain moment of theirs that you like well, more? They're, they're great just because you can. I mean, it it depends. It, they're like there's so many different ways to consume Daft Punk and you so can good. really go in and be a super fan. Like I've watched, I watched their movies, you know, I don't know if you've seen their movies, their movies are really cool. Like they did a whole movie for, um, Oh God, what was album? Um, for several of their albums, they've okay. done, they've done, um, full movies and they're great. Um, yeah. They Discovery has an album. Um, <laughs> Oh God. Was it with one more time and oh that's terrible. They're kind of my bridge electronic album. We did them last episode actually. The the live no two thousand seven. Okay. The uh, live two thousand seven because live. because that was such a big tour. Yeah. And like so many people got introduced to a certain variety of EDM with uh -huh. that tour. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of an interesting one to dive into. But um yeah, Random Access Memories in twenty thirteen, which ironically, um, you know, right around this time, right around the same time. Yeah. came out. That that was like the first one I listened to and like really, really? found songs that I really liked. Okay, I think that was like a like a gateway gateway album for for sure. Um, cool, yeah, I uh, love Daft Punk. Cool, man. I, I think we got the um, I think we got disclosure nailed. I I'm really glad you brought this to me because I, I remember in the in the teaser when you said that I was like, who the fuck is that? I I I do not know who that is. So uh, I yeah I I don't know why it just was impressed on me to like really go for them. But yeah, you know, I it they were a, a big voice at that time. I yeah. listened to that album a lot. Um, so it, it's really cool that we were able to explore it and yeah. kind of go back to it. It was cool. Absolutely, man. So we can move into the um the Fredigan album, yeah. which is the album that I chose, mm -hmm. and um this is Actual Life, April fourteenth to December 17th, 2020. One of the weirdest album titles you'll ever see, but it is the first album of five full albums by Fred again. The album is produced by Fred Gibson and was released um, April 16, 2021. Um, so I'll start with you on this one, and, and um, there are definitely some feels on this album. Uh, it, 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 has, it goes in a lot of different places, and I brought this one to you, so, so I'm, I'm curious... Uh, what you think but how does this album make you feel it's it's really interesting yeah um and i'm i'm still like this was a good part of getting to know fred again which is funny because i feel like a lot of his compatriots or people i listen to like um he gives me a little bit of james blake which i love yeah. i'm a big james blake guy um I, and the music is it's so it's so interesting there's there's so many and the way that he he kind of layers these like voice and audio tracks throughout it is 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 really interesting too um i'm into it i'm yeah. into it any direct like feelings that you came to when you're listening to this like obviously uh he's he's going for a very specific kind of vibe that is like i would say like outwardly 
um, you know, can feel kind of sad, but if you dig a little deeper, maybe there's like some uplifting kind of stuff there. Did you feel any of that or is it really just kind of like sonically on the surface for you? I know you love talking about your feelings. You know me and feelings, man. <laughs> you know me and feelings. Um, I certainly get the sense of the artist's feelings that, that, there, that there's there's some conflict there. And, and yeah. there's, there is a strong mix between like uplifting kind of, and then, you know, others are, are sadder songs. And it's clearly a, a strange moment for him in the sense that it's the pandemic. You know, it's a wild time to be releasing music. You know, there's like a period of just complete uncertainty and, and like suffering and kind of a, a, like, you know, a lot of the works I felt like they came out of that time were pretty wild and very interesting, you know, some of the stand-up that came out of that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely feel that moment in this album. And so it was really cool to explore it from that standpoint. There um, we go. I, you felt the moment. I, yeah. I, got, I got you there. I felt the moment. Uh, yeah, you're totally right. We were talking earlier today about it being kind of a COVID work. Um, he started working on this in 2019, but I, you know, this comes out in April 21, so we're in, you know, pretty much still the heat of COVID. This the is like this is like Vax COVID by this time. Oh but, yeah. Um, you can presume that a lot of it came while you know you the heat squestered. of COVID <laughs> while we were all alone. Correct. So I, I got all the feels on this album. I got to be honest. Um, it it runs pretty deep, uh, both for me and for for Becca, my wife, um, and and then for both of us, and got a kind of a nice anecdote with that. But with this album, I feel appreciated. I feel empathy. I feel connected. Um, This also was kind of a breakthrough electronic album for me. You know, I was talking about Daft Punk in that way, but this is like, this one like really like, I really liked the Daft Punk album, but I wasn't so much feeling the Daft Mm -hmm. Punk album. Mm -hmm. This one like, the comparison I made, and I don't know if it's perfect, but it was like Good Kid, Mad City for me. Because that was like the first like hip hop or rap album that I like, I felt I was like, I, I could really like, Kendrick. Kendrick I, was the start. I think, you. I think so. Wow. I, uh, before that, I, I feel like hip hop was, was fun and like for the swagger and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. But like, I, I feel like Kendrick got me in the feels with that one. I don't know if it's the perfect comp, but, but this one was like the first electronic album that I was like, I'd put on as like, you know, steak and, and mashed potatoes, comfort food type, type album. Wow. Like, um, so I, I kind of touched on this before, but there's a gloomy facade uh, that covers an album that has a lot of hopeful and optimistic things to say. Um, embracing negative contexts, but assuming everything will be okay. Uh, if you listen to some of the words, in this smoking chaos, our shoulder blades kissed. Um, you know, we gonna make it through. I'm so tired of being strong. Can't nobody steal my joy, not even me. If I can live through this, what comes next will be marvelous. So there's just this uh, contradiction or, or I guess paradox of like acknowledging Struggle. things are not great right now, but Hope. that there's another side to it. And um, that's, that's just like a happy place to be. And, and this speaks specifically to, to me a little bit with like some mental health stuff of like acknowledging that if you're in a certain moment, it, it's, it's not always going to be that way. And I think that that I think this album speaks to people in that way, mm-hmm. in like in a major, major way. And if you follow Fred, like on his social media, he he kind of looks like the way this album feels in that way. Like he's not he's a he's an enormous artist, and, and I'll get into like kind of how he became to be this big solo artist now. 
but he he's just always having fun and like in the most genuine way you can tell and like he's the type of person I, I've seen him do this a couple times where it's like you know the first 15 people that DM me will come up to like this party we're having right now there's just like everything he's doing it just looks like fun and joy spontaneous and like, joy yeah, yeah. and, and it, there's there's not like a, a wall he's not trying to build you know leverage and, and space between him and his fans like he wants everyone to be part of it and that it's just, it's really beautiful. And that, that leads up to this really great thing that, that Becca and I had with him, which is uh, when we went to Los Angeles last fall uh, to do our IVF transfer um, when we were trying to get pregnant, the day of the transfer, or maybe the day after, I can't remember. I really want, I think it was the day of the transfer. We went to go see Fred again um, in the cemetery in Hollywood. There's no this, way. there's this, um, there's this um, amphitheater it's not even an amphitheater. It's just like a, a stage where they sometimes show movies too. The name of the actual uh, place is, is escaping me right now, but it's literally in a cemetery where all these really famous people are buried. Yeah. And they have lighting set up to where like the gravestones like light up with the music and all this. The it, gravestones it is, light up. It is wild. It, oh, it is goodness. totally wild. But so we do this IVF transfer, which the whole IVF thing, most people know someone that's gone through that. It, it is very heavy. It takes a lot out of everyone involved. Absolutely. And, and so we're in Los Angeles. We're doing that whole thing. We actually do the transfer and we're going to this concert that night and we have the time of our lives. We, we're jumping and dancing and like listening to this album, you might not think that this is like absolute banger music, but that show was wild yeah. like people were going nuts and we were jumping and like we, we kind of joke now because we got a successful pregnancy that you know the, like the, the what fred brought to us that night like was the joy what might have loosened up becca is, allowed man. us to relax yeah. and like uh i i when i was really feeling all this i uh i sent a, a message to his instagram i was just like hey man you know my wife and i and i told that whole story like via text and and Obviously, he didn't send me back, but uh, you know, I just felt the need to like. It, there's a connection here that, yeah. like, you know, we just haven't had with with other artists, and, and it's really special. So, um, and it's it, always special when an artist like brings you to that place, or you you feel that with someone. Yeah, it's amazing, and it's all genuine. Like, yeah. it, like it, you really feel connected with him and, and the way that he approaches this whole thing and and stardom and like how he you know, wants to be portrayed. And, and there's just a lot of ways you can do that. There's a lot of different, um, Paths. you know, brands, like yeah. the way you brand yourself as a celebrity, especially mm -hmm. is there's a lot of different ways to do it. But his, his whole thing is just like openness and authenticity. inclusivity, authenticity, earnestness. And like, that's just really easy to get behind, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, from there, uh, we can move into most interesting instruments. Um, Another one where it's like it's electronic music, so it's tough to to parse it. But did you have anything in mind here with this album? I think it was the the most interesting instrument on this album. I thought was the the audio samples, like how totally. he how he he how he puts them in. Do you know uh, this artist named Instapendo? No. Okay. Um, more ambient music. Um, I, I had a, I had a moment where I was really into like you know ambient kind of sound yeah. kind of type stuff and i the way he employs yeah the audio samples i thought was was really cool um so that probably would be my most interesting 
um, instrument, I guess. I think this. it's honestly like the objective, probably right answer with this because the way he uses them are so unique. And, and if you're just listening to the music, uh, it might sound like other samples that you've heard in the past. And, um, you know, for good reason, it's, it's not that different. But, but what's going on here is he finds really random people to, to, to do these samples. A lot of times it's beat poetry. And, and, and I'll get to it here. A lot of these people are famous and like have, have decent followings of themselves. But the, the, the pieces that he chooses are, are so perfect. And like mm -hmm. with electronic music, a lot of that, that game is to find like that phrase that gets in people's heads. Mm -hmm. And it can be uplifting. It can be joyous. It can be downtrodden. It can be sad or whatever. But uh, the way he chooses his words of other people is, is really cool. And during the show, he... he you you can see the people who are providing these vocal samples mm -hmm. on video. Yes. So it's them actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And that was another element to the show that just like brought this whole music together. It was just like, wow, what this guy's doing is just so cool. So that's that's a great answer. Um, I, I kind of, with this one, a lot of times I'll go with kind of conceptual answers. So with this, I said Fred Gibson because I think, you know, his, uh, what he applies here is really interesting and he's really interesting. So... Fred Gibson, full name Frederick John Philip Gibson. Fred's great-grandfather was Shane O'Neill, third Baron O'Neill, a member of the aristocracy. This family history means Fred himself is part of the British peerage, which is basically the extended royal family. So that's a bunch of British mumbo-jumbo that you know, I don't really fully understand, but yeah. basically extended he, royal. he's a little bit of a privileged guy, and there's yeah. a bunch of stuff online about how you know, that's the only reason that he's been famous and whatever. And, you know, I, you probably could understand where I stand on that argument. I think mm -hmm. he, it, you know, what he's done kind of stands on its own. But um, so just like a little background on how he, how he got there. And, and that starts with in 2010, uh, he joins some group that was associated with Brian Eno, who's this really famous ambient music um, God, like, like, like one of the found, like one of the people that, one of the first names you'll hear uh, when people are talking about the synthesis and the origin of ambient music. So uh, then in 2014, he does uh, some records with Eno. Um, and then in 2018, he has a writing credit on a number one song, Shotgun by George Ezra, which I can't think of uh, that song off the top of my head. But anyway, uh, in 2019, he has uh, a writing or producing credit on 12 of 15 songs on Ed Sheeran's number six collaborations, which spent 14 weeks at number one. Wow. In 2020, uh, he's producer of the year at the Brit Awards. In 2021, he has nine cre writing credits on, uh, so, so nine writing credits, nine of the 14 songs on Ed Sheeran's album, Equal. Remember that album? It's like the title is like the equal sign. Okay. Basically, it was like the biggest album in the world really? for a long time. Wow. And then at the the 2022 Grammys, the Ed Sheeran song "Bad Habits," he has the writing credit on, uh, was up for Song of the Year. So mm -hmm. like before and and kind of during, as we look at these dates, he's kind of a still producer, producer money maker, mm -hmm. like like big time mm -hmm. songs which wouldn't necessarily track with the, the solo music that he's made, which is much more personal mm -hmm. and not as big and not for not like, the poppy. broader audience. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, one last note, in uh, 2023, he was nominated for the Mercury Prize in Britain, which we did a whole big piece on a couple episodes ago 
Uh, are you familiar with the Mercury Prize? I'm not. Not many people are. It, in Britain, uh, only British artists yeah. are, can be nominated for, for it. And it's like kind of snooty. And, but it's awesome because like Britain makes amazing music. Yeah, like, absolutely. Amazing music. Yeah. And they're such taste, tastemakers. Um, and so uh, it's just kind of an interesting thing. And I, I, on one of his uh, Instagram posts, he was holding up a Mercury, the Mercury Prize Mercury. nomination. So I was like, oh, that's cool. We did a big thing on that. So, and that was for his solo work, right? That was for uh, Actual Life Three. Actual Life Three. So we're okay. we're on Actual Life One. Yeah. There's another one, and then and then Three Fair. came out. Okay. So. Yeah, man. So I'm interested here. Uh, what your favorite song would be? Because I threw it at you blind. I'm just curious where you landed. Um. What was my favorite song on that album? Hold on one second. Let me pull it up. No worries. There's a couple different ones for me, and this was an interesting album to, to dissect in this manner because it was one I was relatively familiar with. A lot of times I'll, I'll come at these albums with uh, not a ton of familiarity. So a lot of these will pop. These are already songs that I kind of have digested and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of like new, new songs to really kind of bring in. It was probably We've Lost Dancing Maria, which is nice. very typical. I mean, it's, it's the danciest song on the, on the album. I felt yeah. like, um, is that why I, I just love the way he, he, he did that. I thought Me was heavy. It was very emotional. It was very oh. pretty, too. Oh. Um, and I Found You is great. But I, yes. I, I think uh, We Lost Dancing was, was just really just a cool moment for me, just kind of reliving what that must have been like, what that was for the electronic music scene at that time. And I mean, I thought it was really cool. It's it's almost just on the nose. Like yeah. we lost dancing in this time. We lost all these other things, and we lost dancing. Yeah. Uh, the Blessed Madonna is on that song, who I didn't know, but apparently has six million Spotify yeah. listens a month. So, um, a relatively big artist. I that was kind of a an interesting thing I realized as I was going through this is I thought a lot of these were like obscure voices. And it turns out they're like they're, they're like a lot of big deals. Like are are the voices so. Um, I had basically three songs, and it's it's hard to, to parse. But I had Dermot, uh, "See Yourself in My Eyes." I thought I just think that song's super beautiful. Got it. Uh, Me heavy is like, you know, you don't always want to listen to it, but it's it's just like, it's so sentimental. Yeah. It's it's just like, uh, and then you know, like the actual true sentiment of the song, I can I can relate to a little bit because like, I, maybe everybody can like you, you just like. You're just so tired of trying so hard sometimes if it's not working out. Um, and then Sabrina, I Am The Party, which is just like a sinister kind of banger, almost like a hip-hop beat uh, song. So um, on Dermot, uh, Dermot Kennedy is, is the voice, and he has 12 million monthly listens. So again, not an obscure artist. Not at all. Um, Young Thug is on this song. He has the, the spoken word... Uh, fall in love with someone who enjoys your own weirdness, not someone who talks you into feeling normal. Um, so I, I didn't know that was Young Thug, which is cool. I, I like I Young Thug. I did not either. Um, yeah, I'm Me Heavy is, is just Fred, obviously. But then Sabrina, I Am the Party. This is author-poet Sabrina Benheim. Um, this is from her work, Explaining My Depression to My Mother. Um, and then the full kind of line um, is, Mom, I Am the Party. Only I'm a party I don't want to be at. So it's kind of like an articulation of anxiety or, yeah. or something like that. So, again, just really playing to just that empathy, like that uh, self-empathy of, of, like, 
it's not okay, but there are certain ways that we can talk about it and, and get it out and feel better about it. And it'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so moving into the insights, uh, again, I've got just uh, mostly quick hits here. So um, Fredigan, the name, the actual name, uh, comes from the 2002 live-action Scooby-Doo movie in which Fred, played by Freddie Prinze Jr., proclaims, I'm Fredigan. That's it. That's how he got the name. <laughs> I thought about watching the movie. I thought about it. That's, that's dedication. Yeah, I thought about it. I, I didn't get there. but um, I'm not ready for Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> not, not again. So, so Fred was spotted uh, in early August at a West Hollywood restaurant with Selena Gomez. So he's like, he's moving working his way up. He's moving I mean, I'm always blown away at how famous Selena Gomez is. Like she's in the 99th percentile of like social media follows and all this stuff. And she's cool. I get it. But like uh, one of the most famous people on the planet. Uh, the boiler room he did in July 22. This is one of the kind of like big moments for him. Yeah. I, I feel like especially in that scene, 23 million YouTube views right now. Uh, shout out to the guy wearing a Pascal Siakam jersey that was standing next to him for a lot of that. That was one of my one of my is favorite this the things. The one that's like outside, or is this? I'm trying to remember. I, I do you fuck with boiler room? Do you ever watch I those? Love boiler room. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean. Again, being away from the dance music scene, yeah, um, I feel like I get a lot of my live music experience just watching, you know, Boiler Room or Circle has a lot of like live music uh, kind of shows that they televise with like great audio and okay. Boiler Room is very big and still kind of breaking artist. Yeah, nice. That was new to me. It was my first one watching, oh, so nice. so I didn't really know like what to look for. But oh, yeah, it was pretty cool. I would say. Given what I like for him, mm -hmm. it wasn't like my favorite vibe because it was just like a little plasticky. And he's like, he's doing more of the traditional DJ thing. It's not, I feel like he, maybe he wasn't being himself. But what are some of your other like favorite boiler rooms from other artists? Do you remember? Um, mm, they have a lot. Um, he also Carl did Cox has an amazing boiler room. I okay. don't know if you know that name. Um, but I mean, a lot of the, the bigger electronic artists will have boiler room parties, um, and that'll be the one that they will, you know, knowing that they have a huge audience at that moment, they'll they'll go ahead and do it. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, I'll dig into that. Yeah. Um, the NPR Tiny Desk he did in April yeah. twenty three. Did you watch this? I watched part of it. I okay. watched some of this. Yes. Because okay. they had he had his he had his features kind of popping in he did a lot of it live and just the singing and it was impressive yeah he's a true like complete artist you know dude I, i'm not gonna do the the poor podcasting thing and try to explain a, a video performance here <laughs> but I, I would recommend anyone go watch it's, um, it's definitely worth the watch his tiny desk which I, I think i think is like one of the most annoying things you can do to people is like hey you gotta watch here's this tiny homework. desk yeah here's, yeah here's more homework please. but his is truly stunning like he uses the full kind of table in like a circular manner he's playing like three or four different uh instruments at the same time he's programming his synth to to operate like kind of uh, on its own using a xylophone and then again like you said he's got the video panel in the back with the samples of the people talking to so it, it's like it's like Especially if you like him, it's like really, really, really impressive. Um, so he he's done many extensive interviews. He told NPR in November 22 that Sabrina was the hardest song to make because the vocal is so raw and he felt he was distorting kind of the soul of the song. I thought that was interesting. Um, it's probably my favorite song of his. It's just like dark and sinister and like 
of all the like kind of slower and, and more sad songs, that one is just like something you listen to the car and, and, and it's pretty cool. So um, moving to, is this the artist's best album? I would say it's either this or Actual three. Life 3. Okay. Actual Life 3 is so good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we kind of went over some of the, the uh, features on the, on the first one. Um, the eight of the 17 songs have a feature. On the second one, six of the 16 songs have features, including Kodak Black uh, and I Am Rosé. And then on um, the third one, there's a ton. So you've got like Ilar, Delia Montague, Camille, Berwin, Dermot Kennedy again, Guante, Young Blue, uh, Nathan Archie, 070 Shake, Wet, Claire Ward. I don't know most of these people, I've got to be honest. Most of these people, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, really, really feature heavy and it's it's really good. I It might be the fullest, like, version of this thing he's doing with mm-hmm. with actual life so I, I might say actual life three is the best did you okay. listen to some of the other ones or um i listened to a little bit of actual life three delilah was one that i, I, yeah. I loved on that one um but i probably focused in most on actual life one but um i i, I he's someone i still need to listen to more you know for me you know especially heavily emotional stuff it's I gotta be in the right the right space, you know. Um, so finding that space and moving through it is is always the hardest for me. But it's it's beautiful music. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting juxtaposition because it's like these are different flavors flavors of electronic music. Yeah, and like this like really suits like the emotional stuff yes. I like. Yeah, and disclosures like not fucking with that as much. No. It's just like let's just no. dance. Yeah, no. <laughs> some, I mean, some moments are, are for James Blake, and you know, yeah. and then some moments are you know let's just dance. But I, I think he, he makes some really great music. Yeah. You, know, you got to always appreciate that. Okay. So my final question, and I'm going to get off a bonus question here too um, before we get you out of here, but um, will Fred again hang around for you or are you going to kind of keep moving? I'm interested. Okay. I'm interested. You know, he's clearly, you know, moving through and, and putting, you know, all types of music out there. So I, I want to see more. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. We'll, we'll be able to enjoy that together. Um, and then the, the last thing, and, and this is kind of off the, the grid entirely, but more of just a music-oriented question. You're an anesthesiologist, and um, for uh, people that aren't tapped into the medical and operations and cases, mm-hmm. stuff that stuff, um, they, they don't realize that a lot of times you kind of play DJ uh, yeah. for the, the surgeons that you operate with. And um, I was just curious, kind of broadly, like when you come into a case – uh, do you look at like who the surgeon is and like what kind of music you'll play or like what's your approach music wise as you come into a case and like you're working and you're responsible for being DJ? How does that look? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes they'll let me select the playlist, you know, absolutely. And uh, it, usually I'll, I'll try and base it on, you know, where we're coming from, what their interests are and, and, and hopefully what keeps people working, keeps, okay. keeps the, 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 the room running, you know. That's that's the most important thing, you know, not too loud, keeping the communication great. Like it's it's certainly not the focus. <laughs> yeah. I promise I'm doing more than that. <laughs> but it it is great when you have like some music that's, you know, relatable, that's reflecting, you know, something and and it keeps everyone kind of humming, you know, keeps the the efficiency great. You know, that's a that's always a great moment. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Like any good DJ, you just play into the moment, yeah, play into you're playing the moment. Yeah, you're playing the moment exactly. Is um, there is there one artist, one like type of music that like is a go to that tends to work most, dude, or is it really just the like... oldies? The oldies always hit. Okay. You know, okay. you can you can play some uh, Dionne Warwick, some 
Nice. Added James, some, you know, the oh, spinners. Soul. Okay. Uh, some soul. Soul always works. You know, Phil Collins always works. It's, it's a <laughs> lot of oldies. And it's been nice in the sense that you have, you know, cross-generational, you know, surgeons, you know, at different points in your life. And so you end up exploring a lot of music that you may have missed or I definitely missed because, you know, I was in a hermetic box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in childhood. So it, it's been nice as, as a way to kind of explore genres and, and music that I, that I didn't necessarily listen to at the time or was just maybe not old enough to listen to at the time. Um, so that, it's, it's fun. It's a nice hobby. It's awesome, dude. So, so like 70% anesthesiologist, 30% DJ is like pretty much your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, 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 yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Hey, uh, we did it. We did it. Thank you. We Thank did you it, for Joe. Being here. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Dude, we'll do this it again. was a lot of fun. This is my first time trying this in this format. I, I'm really, I'm, I'm in awe of what you do here, man. Really cool. Cool, man. We're, we're uh, just super happy to have you here. We'll do it again. Absolutely. Let me ask you something. When did music become so important? It's always been important. I mean, jingles. Yeah. No, everybody keeps coming in looking for a, some song, and they're so specific. You love specific. But I have no idea what's going on out there. Well, no one can keep up. It's always changing. So, Becca, what is the album going to be? Taylor Swift's 1989. Bam. Just like that. The the 2014 classic Taylor Swift record. We're, we're going into the 20th episode, and I was stuck for some time about what I wanted to do. I had some other ideas about doing some segments with friends that had already been on, uh, maybe reviewing an album that's kind of like a classic, just saving it for a special episode. But I landed on uh, having you on as, you know, uh, my best friend, my lover, and most consequentially in this context, one of my best music friends. We've, we've gone to so many concerts together. You've expanded my musical horizons without question. Uh, and I think we've both experienced like a new way to enjoy music, like a different layer, a different kind of uh, uh, depth to which we can enjoy stuff. And, uh, you know, we kind of blew it on this one because we were chatting before we started recording and uh i've been i've been trying to coerce you to to get this teaser down for a while and you're a busy lady and that's that's just what it is but um i kind of spilled the beans on the ones i was going to pick which was 1989 because this is i i feel like the album around the time where i really started liking female pop like carly ray um emotion side a and side b came out i think 2015 and that whole kind of nucleus uh, got me revved on a lot of this music that we now both love together. And I, I don't think we have as much experience listening to this one together. There's certainly some more like reputation and uh, folklore and ever more, uh, much more so. But I really wanted to go in on 1989, kind of capture like the moment and like what she was doing. And, and you know, that's almost 10 years ago now, which is kind of crazy. And as big as she was then, she's now the biggest star in the world 10 times over. So, so what I'm going to pick here and, and, and again, this is the first time, uh, that, that it really wasn't truly a surprise because we kind of agreed on this, but what we're going to do for the two different albums is do the studio version, 2014 release of 1989. And then for the second album, we're going to do the, uh, 
1989 Taylor's version that'll be released later this month. So we'll be able to go through some of the vault tracks and we'll go through maybe some of the nuances between how she recorded differently because this would probably be the only album that I would notice those differences because I know this album so well. So it'll be really fun um, to research the album, but then uh, to have the new one come out and to be able to uh, just kind of pick away at some of the other ones. So I know you had been thinking a little bit about this on and off. What were some of the other albums you considered? Um, well, I love Taylor Swift, so obviously this was number one. Really? Like this would have been your pick probably? Most likely, yes. Oh my God. I'm so I sad that we didn't do it live then. That would have been a historic Music Friends moment. You picked the one that I was going to pick. It's my number one. I... I go back and forth about it being my favorite album. Yeah. It has historically been my favorite album. But then as I listen to other albums, I also love them. So yeah. for me, I don't know if I have, I truly have a number one anymore. Yeah. But for a long time, 1989 was my favorite. Um, and you're not talking just about Taylor Swift. You're talking about. Oh, I'm talking about Taylor Swift okay. specifically. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's my favorite artist, so probably. Okay. All time. Um, I was considering Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, probably Emotion. The first one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then Fred again. Um, both the um, Actual Life 1 and then and Actual Life 3. We just one. did one with Jonathan yeah. last episode. So I jumped yeah. on that. I stepped on that one. But you did um, Actual Life 3, correct? We did one. The, oh, re- did the red one. one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but so three I was is thinking so good. About three, because I mean, we just had our son, and yeah. he was, you know, uh, transferred. <laughs> he's a he's <laughs> a, a couple f- days before we saw Fred again, right after he released After Life Three. So that's why I was considering that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. If you're if you're listening to this, you you probably just heard me tell the the story about how our son is a Fred again baby, and we likely have Fred uh, to thank for. Uh, the son who stuck around for us. So, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, all these would have been great. I, I kind of thought about, before I locked into the Taylor Swift, I was thinking about maybe Bon Iver, um, maybe Sturgill, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be this is gonna be great. I, I'm so... Oh, the other one was of Monsters and Men. I was thinking about... Um, oh, my gosh, now I'm blanking on the actual album that I was thinking of. The first one? The... No. No. Um, it's the white and gray one. Oh, okay. Like, uh, not the black cover? Not yeah, the, the black, black album cover with like uh, sh- shaking like a leaf. and um, Like Eye of the Storm is on there. Yeah, I can't remember the name of that one either. But I thought about the first one because that was like when we first, first met, we bonded on that album. Yeah. A- and when we were trying to do long distance, we were like, sending the lyrics and like that, that was like the first album we like really shared. Yeah. It's, I don't even listen to that album anymore. Cause it's a little like haunting mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, like, because that, you know, that first iteration of the relationship didn't go great. And like, I think it locked in just like, uh, just some negative associations, but, um, you know, since much more positive. So Yeah could have gone in a lot of different directions. I I really like what we're going to do here. We're going to do something on Music Friends that we don't usually do, which is do something topical, something that actually is 
in the the, 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 the <laughs> that's the name of the album I was considering. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that's a great one too. All right, cool. I'm so looking forward to this. Thanks so much. Love you. I love you. <laughs>